Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Talkie Talk, podcast for the media by us. Uh, my name is Brent. I'm here today with Al. Hello. And we are doing an all-Survivor blowout Woo! episode. Uh, we are a little over a week, if you're listening to this, away from uh, the premiere of season 38, Edge of Insanity, Edge of Extinction. <laughs> Basically, Edge <laughs> Extinction. Uh, Extinction Island. Uh, And I can't hear out of the lobbies in this. Um, And so we're going to do a quick little preview as best we can with a a very speculative preview of the new season. Uh, And then we will uh, maybe talk a little uh, Survivor history after that. So uh, let's start off with Edge of Extinction. What do we think Edge of Extinction means? Based on what we've heard. Well, I mean, you know, everyone got to see the preview, you know. Um, you know, they promised a, you know, something new. And, uh, you know, here we go. Survivor, never one to not try new things while remaining, you know, uh, the core game still there. But trying new things, maybe bringing back a little bit of the old and trying it again. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm pumped. You know, oh yeah, it definitely sounds like they're going to be trying something bold and new this time around. Um, so Jeff Probst has released. Uh, I've seen an Instagram post where he has said a little bit. Do we want to get into that about what? Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's you know okay. cut to the chase. So because he'll probably explain this to viewers in the first episode anyway. You think? So yeah, <laughs> to. He'll explain you it think over he'll and drive over. it into our heads and, and over. the contestants' heads and over again. Yes. So uh, the season, uh, as far as the contestants know, it is a normal season, and yeah. they will participate in challenges. They'll go to tribal council. They'll vote somebody off. When that person is voted off, they'll go down the path as they always do. Jeff will snuff their torch. They will go down the path and leave in tears or yelling or flipping people off, whatever they want to do. And then they will, instead of arriving at the doctor's tent, which is normally where the first place they go, they will arrive at a torch, which is lit. And uh, apparently there's going to be some sort of note attached to it that just says, uh, you have a chance to remain in this game, you can go to the edge of extinction, (laughs) or whatever. I don't even know if it's going to be as laid out as that. It sounds like vague. It's basically a fork in the road mm-hmm. and it's like you have an opportunity maybe to stay in this game and like i mean who's not going to choose that right so off they go to the edge of <laughs> extinction uh so jeff has also promised that it's going to be uh so we have seen some redemption island top seasons in the past it's been a long yeah. time but Jeff has promised that this is going to be way more of a uh, strain on their, uh, I guess, on the contestants in order to stay in the game this time around. From what I understand, this is going to be a test of internal fortitude about how much they're willing to sacrifice, in a sense, to stay in the game, not knowing really how they're going to get back into the game or when or how that is going to work right um yeah that's what from what i understand you know jeff's always is he you know he's never wanted to reveal like um his full hand 
and Survivor is great at letting things play out, mm-hmm. um, letting the contestants have some sort of like agency in how things work within sort a structure, so to say. So we'll you know we'll we'll see. Yeah, um, I'm excited to. I'm always excited anytime anytime they try something new. So it'll be interesting to see how this changes. Uh, the game in any way and it'll be interesting actually i'm really interested in the edit in the uh in the editing because they still have to tell the camp life stories and they still have to show the strategy of the the basic game right from what i understand the game will be ongoing with people not really knowing what this edge of extinction is until somebody comes back into the game Mm -hmm. and um uh so they'll be business as usual you know chugging along so they have to tell that story while they're also telling the edge of extinction story correct which is but then again survivor has shown recently it's at the top of its game in editing so uh, yeah they have uh found another gear so i trust them for now uh well let's talk about the cast uh it's just earlier this week when we finally started getting to know like who was in the cast right didn't that yeah, they it's been can. about the last couple of weeks where we started to... They've gotten to Fiji, and so now they've started to do the pregame interviews. There have been little capsules and profiles posted. You know, uh, all the wiki pages have been like updated with information about them. It's no longer speculation about who's going to be there. They're all there, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and it's, uh, it's starting to come out. You know, it's a run-up to it. So... This is going to be a partial returnee season. There are four returning players we'll get to when we talk about the tribes, and then everybody else are uh, new players. Right, which is, you know, Survivor going back to something it hasn't tried in a while, which is a mixed cast of returning players and new players. Um, You know, I would say there was what? There was a run there. Probably in the seasons 20... In, in the 20s, they loved this concept. Almost eight seasons in a row where they maybe only had one one season that didn't do this or some facet of this where they brought back players and paired them with new players and, uh, you know, and to mix results. Yes. You know, you'd have to really say about the 20s, and we'll probably get into that later. Mm-hmm. And... Sometimes it worked, and sometimes they went back to the well, and they found that the well wasn't really, you know, might not have been dry, but they brought something up they really weren't expecting. Right. Well, since I I have not yet really read or heard much about these casts, why don't you tell me about the tribes? So, it's, as far as breakdown, it really is standard survivor fare. They're not going to be broken into from what i understand anything having to do with demographics or um uh, you know there's not going to be men versus women or separated by a social economic class or anything like that or bronze and brains or anything like that there's no real theme to that the overriding theme is going to be this edge of extinction and the tribes are just going to be split it seems randomly gosh when was the last just random split season we had i guess it's ghost island was right it's when the 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 theme is the game rather than the people right yeah Yeah. i'd say ghost island definitely was just but before that it's it's actually been a while i think since they've since they've done a simple season like that without 
I would have to say it might be One World was probably the last time before. So it's been five years. Yeah, yeah before Ghost easily. Island. Yeah. So I like that. It, it's it's nice to have not nothing. The theme guiding the play instead of guiding the people and in, in how they see themselves. So that'll be a different. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So, uh, all right. So what are our tribes? Well, I mean, first, it looks like the random draw, they, there's a two tribes of nine. Uh, the Manu tribe and the Kama tribe. I hope I'm saying these correctly. I'll, we'll figure that out in a week or so. Um, the returning players on the Manu tribe are David Wright and Kelly Wentworth. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about what they are, what who they are as contestants, what they're bringing to the table. So David Wright... Uh, and I'll try to do this as spoiler-free on their previous seasons as possible in case people haven't seen them, they want to go back and watch them. But David Wright is the classic archetype, probably the, the top archetype of the, the blossoming flower, the, uh, the butterfly from the caterpillar in Survivor. He is uh, someone who on his first episode is almost a caricature of, a, of someone who should not at all be out there. He is holding his ears... Because while people are chopping bamboo, it scares him. He is He's scared of everything. Basically, an anxiety attack personified. Yes, he is. He is terrified of everything. His first season was millennials versus Gen X, and he was on the Gen X tribe. Uh, as the season progressed, he got more and more confident, and it was uh, his is one of the big stories of the season, and. Uh, you know, he emerges eventually as a as a, a real player in the game, and it's uh, it's really fun to watch. He's a likable player. He's a good strategist. Uh, coming into this, I might worry that he might have too big a target on his back because he is sort of revered among recent uh, casts and whatnot. So that could work against him. But I'm interested to see what he does now that he is not having to complete this personal journey. Because uh, yeah. now he knows he can play Survivor. Do you think he's going to have a bigger target than just any random, like any returning player? I mean, you've already got a target being a returning player. There's already the idea of why do I want to have my season? They've already had their chance. Right. Um, why do I want my season, you know, if I'm a new player, to be won or dominated by someone who's really already done this before had their shot they didn't you know I don't, maybe they won or they lost but they've already had their shot so i don't i think i think that certainly applies to almost all returning players sure. like he's just said but uh i don't think his threat is quite up there with like sandra if sandra showed up where all these people would be like well we have to get her out first because we don't know how she does it right. the woman just wins so i think I think he will be a target, though, because I think he will be known as someone who is probably going to be one of the smartest people on the tribe and someone who is who has shown a willingness to uh, backstab when it when it is necessary. Yeah. So he, he's not a wild player in that regard, but he's a sharp player who you would probably be worried is going to cut you before you can cut him. Gotcha. Um, but so he's... It's uh, he's also very likable though, and he's also very willing to work with people. So, uh, would you say the same about Kelly? 
Kelly is a little different. So Kelly had two seasons. Her first season, she was uh, didn't really get enough of a shot at the game because she was just sort of on the wrong side of some numbers early. Well, she also was in a season where they had to play with loved ones. She was playing with her dad. Yeah. And uh, I think her dad rubbed some people the wrong way, so they uh, did not do that well in uh, San Juan del Sur. Yeah. She and returned. about loved ones <clears throat> seasons is, like, you take the good that your family member has done, but you also have to suffer the bad along with them. So you just, you, if they hang you, you know, they've hung, almost hung the both of you. Yeah. I almost thought you were going to start talking about uh, Philippines there because you you take the good, you take the bad, oh. you take it all, and there you have facts of life. Yeah, <laughs> Lisa. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, Kelly got a chance to return for Cambodia, which was second chances, and she. I still haven't really gotten a chance to see Kelly play with any sort of strategic. Adv- well, like an advantage in numbers, or at least have a shot with numbers in the game. Uh, so she never really played from a position of dominance. No, she played from a position of uh, upheaval, almost. Like, she turned the game on its head a couple of times with her with her play in the game. She is a... Uh, I think one of the most notable things about her is she is a, she's a ham in front of the jury. Like, you get her... At, She's making faces at the jury throughout tribal councils and, and whatnot. And uh, she's very expressive. She's uh, fun to watch. Uh, I like Kelly. I don't know how good of a player she is just because even after two seasons, she's never really had a great... I don't know that she's ever had a great shot at showing how good of a player she is. Sometimes when your back is against the wall, you can you can be a great player with your back against the wall, but... Uh, you like to see how a player plays without yeah. being in a corner from the beginning. Well, I've listened to both their pregame interviews, like the audio interviews they've done, and I can tell you they're both gunning for the prize. I think all four returnees are. I think it's put up or shut up time. Mm-hmm. You know, like they know that you only get so many chances to come back, and if you're going to win it, you've got to be gunning for it. Kelly sounds like she's really... And, she, and she really was gunning for it last time. She just didn't... The, the game didn't play out in a way that favored her. Yeah. But, and sometimes you do need that luck. You just do need the game to yeah. just sort of break. Some has to fall your way. Certain breaks need to go your way, and very few did. And she created her own in certain cases. But uh, I'm excited to see what Kelly uh, can do this season. I'm excited to see what David can do, because he sounds like he's also gunning in a different way. He's almost gunning in like what kind of wool he can pull over people's eyes and like little side tricks he can play and I'm interested to see the bag of tricks He's a, what happens he, both of the it's fun to have them both on the same tribe because they're both uh, classic idol hounds oh great they are uh, they managed to sniff those things out in the jungle both of them do you see them teaming up or no do they have a pass they don't have a pass they don't do they so either they do not have a pass in the game I, I don't so that's a tough question and it's something I'm sure both are asking themselves right immediately because on the one hand it makes some sense to you're both targets to help each other if you can if you can help each other then you keep a target other than you in the game right for a while on the other hand 
maybe being willing to take out one of your other main targets shows a willingness to work with the new people and maybe they'll see you as less of a threat so I don't know it kind of depends on I don't know I could yeah. see it going either way so it should be fun so speaking of playing together I think Kelly and Joe who's on the other tribe have played together but I guess CBS has done a good job of at least splitting them up at the beginning mm-hmm. they'll probably be trying to get back to each other mm-hmm. at some point but I we can talk about their past when we get to Joe yeah yeah well, who else uh, makes up the Manu tribe? The Manu tribe. Well, Jordan and David and Kelly uh, are the seven new players. Um, just from appearances, you know, first thing looking at them, listening to them, they seem to be the more ec- eclectic tribe, you know. Um, they're the ones with the colored hair. They're the ones with the tattoos. They're the ones that look like they have the biggest personalities, Um you know, as always with Survivor, we'll see how it plays out. And we're not just basing this on, like, how they appear. You've also listened to uh, interviews with a lot of them. Yeah, I've gone through their interviews with basically Entertainment Weekly, you know, uh, with Josh Wiggler and, and listened to kind of their 15-minute, you know, audios. I've gone through them a couple of times, you know. This is a good time also for me to say that if... Uh... If uh, you plan on watching the new season of Survivor, I cannot recommend strongly enough Josh Wiggler's pregame interviews with people. He interviews them a day before they hit the beach. Yeah. And it gives you such insight into who the people are, how they're going to play the game. And it's uh, interviews are like 15 minutes with each person, maybe, at the most. And uh, it has done a really good job in recent years since I've started listening to those of uh, helping me keep track of who people are in the early stages of the game because that's always been a struggle for me. It is a good way to put a name with a face, kind of a prep for that. Um, you know, Survivor's done a little bit less and less of that, of introing it, you know, on the episodes themselves. So, you know, you, you kind of, people get lost you're like you know so and so but you know if you do this if you're up for it you know they're great and you get a little you know a little bit of head start as far as name recognition yeah and also if you're if you're in any kind of uh, survivor pools uh the uh wendell was my interview mvp two seasons ago and he was my preseason pick to win and it worked and then last year uh I think my two favorite interviews were Gabby and Elizabeth, and they both made it to the merge. So, Well, I'll, I'll say my background in picking winners and from gathering insight from, from uh, you know, these things and picking somebody's... My track record's not so good, so I don't have a Wendell in my bag. Um, but anyways... Let's uh, meet Manu. Yeah. Um, here's a name that you're going to have a hard time you know, not forgetting. First guy up. War Dog. War Dog. <laughs> I'm looking at him in the cast list. Or, wait, wait, wait. Or The War Dog. Uh, no, this his real name is Dan. Um, he's on he's on the Manu tribe, but he goes by War Dog. First off, I, I just love it when contestants talk about themselves in third person. It is it's a gift that just keeps on giving. Um, you know, we've had the mayor of Slamtown recently, but we've had the specialists. We've had many through the years, but uh, now we have the war dog. Um, he is the war dog because he is a uh, military veteran. I think he's done like three tours 
Um, you know, he has an appearance. He looks, you know, he's big and he's bald. And he looks like Tony. He looks like Joe Mena. So he's going to get that. But, I, you know, not discouraging either one of those. I'm just going to talk about the War Dog real quick. Underneath all that, he seems to be a really smart guy. Like, he seems to be a real street smart person that is sort of like taking life uh, as it's coming to him. Um, he's in law school right now. He's had a very different career, um, career arc. Um, but I think he's also like been a poker player at one point nice. and like made money like doing that. That was his actual profession. So I, you know, I'm intrigued. I will say poker players tend to have a, uh, that tends to be the one of the uh, jobs. I know it's not his job, but poker players on Survivor fail spectacularly so much oh, yeah. <laughs> over the years. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Yeah. Um, Next we have Wendy. Um, Wendy, blue yeah. hair girl. She also comes with a ning- uh, nickname. She's Big Wendy. Um, she says it's because she's, I think she's over six feet tall. But um, she, it may be also because she has pretty big personality. Um, she's pretty extroverted, but claims she's introverted, which is, I don't know, interesting. Okay. Um, she is started out by saying, like, I'm going to take this strategy of, like, trying to lay low. Um, because, but I'm a little skeptical because of her personality. Um, she may come off as a little hyper and not be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, she is definitely a fan. I think like that is something like we could say about all the cast members at this point in time of Survivor right. is they have digested Survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, uh, I, you know, she looks like she's going to be a fun contestant. I'm cool. for. Yeah. Let's uh, do Chris Underwood. Okay, like just from first appearances, like this guy looks like a tool bag, but um, he, he looks like Dan. From uh, Goliath Drop a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it kind of could be like a book by its cover kind of thing with me that I'm like just taking it on that, you know, face value. He's young. He looks athletic. He is definitely a fan. He has talked about listening to the entire Evolution of Strategy audiobook. And Brent, you could probably tell people how long this, that is. It's long. <laughs> um, you know, for... A couple of little tidbits he did in his interview describe hitting the beach at Fiji, wanting to play the air quote perfect game, which is always a red flag because Survivor seems to have a way of squashing that idea quickly. Uh-huh. There is really no perfect game out there, you know? No, um, and even the mathematical perfect games were played by people who didn't know they were playing them when they were playing them. So I. that's best laid plans kind of thing Um, he claims to be a water beast he is uh, you know he's going to be really good in challenges he had this interesting thing where he says like I want to hide the fact that I'm a a person in sales like that's distrustful but I want to tell people that I'm a diving instructor so he doesn't want to tell them he's a he's a strategic threat he wants to tell them he's a challenge threat so he wants to cover it up by doing that. I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Well, this, at this point, I'm not concerned that he is a strategic threat. <laughs> if he wants to paint himself as the best swimmer in the game. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's try the youngest woman in the game, Lauren. Lauren. Yeah, she's young. She's good looking. 
She's going to be athletic. She's a college soccer player. I think she played at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest takeaway from her is she has referenced both in her like profile capsule and her spoken interview that what a big inspiration Kelly Wentworth is. And she is on a tribe with Kelly Wentworth. Did she know that she was going to be on a tribe at this point in the game? Do you know? At this point in pregame? It was day negative one or day one that she got interviewed. Um, she did list some other people, Parvati, yeah. but she definitely mentioned Kelly twice. And I, you know, she's probably going to be either starstruck or fall in line is just my prediction. I, I you know, I just found that interesting that yeah. not only is she enamored with Kelly Wentworth and wants to play like her, but lo and behold, she's on the same trap with her. Right. Um, speaking of young, let's talk about Keith. Keith he, is the youngest player in the game. Literally, he's 19. 19. He is really smart. He's a pre-med student at Duke. Uh, he, at first glance, looks like he might not have the most like overt connections to anybody else out there. But, hey, you know, you never know. Um, he's a youth minister. Maybe that'll give him some connections, you know, uh, the religious thing. I don't, you know, that's worked for people in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, he also claims to be a st- super fan. He referenced other younger players, Michael Yerger, Will Wall, people who are 19, people who hid their age. He doesn't plan on doing that. He thinks that that was a mistake, and he's looking at those guys to look for the mistakes they made and to kind of improve on that. Yeah. Rick, making Georgia. Local Rick. boy. Yeah, Rick. There are a lot of Southerners, you know, this year. Uh, outward appearances, Rick is probably the most unathletic male on this season. Claims to have been prepping, doing cardio work. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, he appears to have a trickster side to him. Okay. Willing to do things outside, out of, you know... Out, out of the box kind of thing. This may, may marry well with someone like David Wright, who's uh, on yeah. his tribe. Um, so we'll see. His his interview is fun. Some of the things he talks about doing are pretty fun. Rick's married. He uh, has two kids. He claims he's using the, the family back home as like fuel, mm-hmm. you know, for his rather than really missing them. And he's a uh, a morning news anchor. Yeah. He's a TV anchor. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. So that should mean he has some charisma, at least, working for him. Yeah, he seems to be a charismatic guy. Um, All right. And that leaves Reem. Reem. Uh, yeah. Okay. She's one of the three oldest players out there. There mm-hmm. are three people that are 46 years old. She's one of them. She, I have this feeling she might be in the same boat as Keith, but on the other end of the spectrum, where it connections might be difficult for her because of... You know, the age difference. Um, she's got a good sense of humor, though. Um, she's married. She's got three kids. Her, watches the whole... Watches Survivor, like, as a family unit. Um, she's been watching since season one. Um, her family has kind of all game-planned with her before she went out, which is kind of cute. Yeah. Um, 
Her best bet, I think, might be hooking up with maybe a Rick or like a David, and it may be the like way she makes connections. Could maybe even see an alliance of less athletic people in yeah. in the Manu tribe. She's talking about maybe slow playing on the way out there, so she may get caught up if everybody hits the beach full throttle, and she doesn't hit the beach full throttle, and goes in with this game plan of I'm not going to hit the beach full throttle she may get left behind. And that's the only thing that really concerns me. Well, let's, uh, let's hear about the Kama tribe. So the Kama tribe's led by Aubrey Bracco and Joe Anglum, the returnees. So, Aubrey, you, uh, you, know, you would know her from Game Changers, yeah. and uh, you have not seen Korong. I have uh, seen Korong. Um, she's the same player in both seasons. Aubrey is pretty level-headed. Korong, she, she had a similar story to David Rott. I would imagine she has a similar experience to him. She came out, was crying on day two, thinking, I can't do this. I can't. Basically, the the mental game sort of overwhelmed her early and gave her anxiety. She, uh, you know, she got a little pep talk from someone, I can't even remember who, stayed in the game and uh, kind of came into her own. She was, uh, she is a, I would compare her to Sophie in a way that she is strategically controlling without being overbearing. Like she, she will let other people call the shots when they need to call the shots, and uh, she's she's sort of the strategic hand, the invisible hand, maybe that guides the game. That's her, at least that's her style of playing, is that she likes to try to influence the game without being seen as the influencer to keep a target off her back, which makes possibly her job at final travel tougher if she gets there but it helps her i think last further in the game of the four new players she's probably the one that i think might have the best chance to go deep into the game simply because i don't think people will view her as someone who's going to be a huge impediment to them she in the end game also she probably has most days on the beach of all the four yeah. Maybe not by a whole heck of a lot, but she might have the most experience. So I'm trying to... Is this Joe's third season? Yeah. Okay. Then, yes. She has the most days, I think, yeah. of any returning player. Yeah. So, uh, I'm look, I like Aubrey. Yeah. I, I really liked her in her first season. I, um, she's the player I rooted for probably most in Korong. Well, cool. So She's back. Yeah, and she's back. You gonna root for her again? Uh, maybe. I-, I like to give the new people a shot. Sure. We'll see. Uh, she had her chance. Deck's going to be stacked against them, though, with these peeps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joe is... Uh, <laughs> so, <clears throat> I know we'll probably get into this when we do uh, the retrospective later. You mean Joey Amazing? Al is not the biggest fan of Ozzy <laughs> in the world. <laughs> You're not the big... Um, I'm in a small group, but yeah, but there's we're a, vocal. There's undoubtedly an archetype known as the Aussie yeah. in the game, which is a good-looking guy with like requisite long hair and pirate goatee and swimmer climber. Hey, if the game was strand somebody on a de- on a deserted island for 39 days and are they alive at the end of it? Ozzy wins. Every time. Every time. And not only that, could probably feed four other people that are stranded with him. Yes. He is, yeah, he, he is, uh, 
someone in, in a survival sense, as long as you eliminate social aspects of the game, Ozzy is probably the best person to wind up on a beach with. As, as long as having to socialize with Ozzy is not And him issue. doing those things is great television. Yes. So, they've, uh, there have definitely been other contestants throughout the years since Ozzy that have definitely get on the show because of the Ozzy uh, archetype. And, like, Malcolm, for example. Malcolm Freeberg is, uh, I think, an improvement because he is, he kind of has all that Ozzy quality. Maybe he's not quite the provider. Very few people are quite the provider that Ozzy was. But, um... Malcolm's really likable, great social game, great strategic game. And I think Joe is uh, maybe not quite as strategic as Malcolm, but Joe might be the most likable uh, of all the Aussie archetypes out there. And a physical force. A physical force, a swimmer, he, he can climb, he is, he'll work around camp, he is friendly, everybody loves him. Joe is his biggest enemy, is his own biggest enemy in the game because... Everybody who spends 10 days with Joe realizes that, like, I want to vote for Joe <laughs> to win this right. game. So, I can't let Joe stay in this game. Yeah. Um, he is, uh, I mean, he's nicknamed the Golden Boy in his first season. For good reason. Everybody loved him. The fans loved him. The cast loved him. And he was just the... You'll you'll know him instantly when you if you haven't seen Joe before you will instantly know who we're talking about once the season starts because it's like oh they got Johnny Depp great right. <laughs> yeah except more likable than Johnny Depp huge advantage for him but also comes with a huge target on his back yes and how he gets through it if he can get to the point where he can challenge his way through it look out but. He needs to get there. Joe's biggest thing in this game is he's got to figure out the people he can charm and and the people who that will matter to, because the people who like Joe stick with Joe. Yeah. It's just that Joe, there are going to be people in the game that Joe scares the hell out of for well, good reason. Well, let's talk about a few of the people he's teamed up with to start with. Yeah, the Comma Tribe. Comma Tribe. So we have our famous contestant. His name is Ron Clark. Have you Ron ever heard Clark. of Ron Clark? Uh, he's famous. He's an Atlanta teacher, according to his bio. Yes, he is, an, he is a teacher. He has been on Oprah. This is roughly 10, 13 years ago. He was on Oprah. She named him one of her phenomenal men. This okay. is an honor bestowed upon him. She told him she should write a book about his teaching methods, and he did. It became a bestseller. Um there was a made-for-TV movie about him, aired on TNT, starred Matthew Perry, called The Ron Clark Story. Wow. I've not seen it. Have you seen it? I have not. I'm intrigued, but um, I almost would rather watch Matthew Perry play Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you? Can we get Matthew Perry? So, I'm I wondering... mean, come on. I'll get Ron Clark the benefit of it. So, I'm curious. Uh, I, I just kind of glanced at his bio here and you know he's this great teacher he's a great motivator connecting to students appears to be his thing he also i should say won the showcase showdown on the process oh, right oh i forgot to mention but that. uh he uh so i'm curious because you would think he would sort of play that role of like sort of the uh, let's go guys let's go out there like motivate everyone sure. on the tribe the jimmy johnson thing could be uh but he also says that uh, he expects his gameplay will be most like Spencer Bledsoe, 
which is fascinating to me. And he says that people who know him and play games with him say he turns into a villain whenever he gets competitive. So he claims he is really competitive, and he has done a lot of prep work. And I mean, he has freeze-framed every single puzzle in Survivor (laughs) and has rebuilt it. That's a Spencer thing. Okay, so that may be why he's talking about Spencer. So he is gunning for winning this thing. Yeah. Um, and hey, that's you know, what I want to see. Off. Yeah. I don't so, want to see people talking about the experience so much. I want to see people talking about how they're going to yeah. win. As far as motivation thing, I think his motivation more is tough love rather than rah-rah love. So that might be why that angle is more of as a competitor than as a... His biggest hurdle may be the first three, four days. Could be. Like getting past... Because that's the... The tough love can come out early sometimes and yeah. and people don't like that early. Yeah. Well, let me tell you about someone else's whose first hurdle might be the first three days. Okay. Her name is Victoria. Victoria. She is young. She's 23. She's got a definite, definite bubbly personality. She's a waitress in New York. Um, here's what I'm taking from her. She claims that she and Cochran are a match on Tinder. <laughs> I'm, not messing, I'm not making this up. Okay. They were a match on Tinder. Apparently, though, he gave her the cold shoulder when she messaged him because she immediately asked, how do I get on Survivor? Of course. I'm sure he hasn't heard that one before. Right. Poor Cochran. He's just looking for a date. Um, You gotta love him. Uh, so either Tinder is broken because they matched, or she's going to be just an all-time contestant. I don't know which is which. I, it, this could be three days, or this could be all 39. Three three facts on her from her profile that make no sense to me. Okay. At least it's three? No sense in like conjunction with the others. So, valedictorian of her college. Yeah, she's smart. Yeah. Her inspiration in life is her guinea pig. Okay. And she thinks she's the next Malcolm. <laughs> yeah. So put all that together and you have Victoria. Buckle up, people. All right. Who's also next? buckle up for Aurora. Aurora. Oh, yeah. Um, Aurora. So she's basically the arguer archetype. She's the brash person who just is going to say what's on her mind. Um, she literally said in her interview, and I'm going to quote it. Arguments are a guarantee. So, she's a divorce lawyer. Yes. Uh, her favorite former contestants are Tyson, Sierra, and Michaela. Yeah. Three blunt, rude yeah. people who are decent players, but, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. She says she's coming out here with a freedom to be ruthless. She's not being tugged by anything on the home front. She thinks even being ruthless will help her occupation, like help her in her job. More people will see her and be like, "I'm gonna, hey, I'm going to hire she'll, her. She'll get me the house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. She claims she knows what people do wrong and what pisses other people off. and that. But I don't know if she's going to be able to help herself. Yeah. You know, like help not be herself. People can tend to quick... 
I think if, if you're the person trying to create drive wedges in between other people, I think that work that's a decent short term plan because it can work at the beginning. But after basically one tribal council, everybody tends to pick up on who's driving that wedge, and they just don't want that yeah. person to have a shot at them. She's also, from what I gather, the person who like the contestant that doesn't suffer the young sort of oblivious contestants like they you know that can't stand oh my gosh this 20 year old out here who knows nothing about life uh she's not gonna suffer them easily so i'm looking for her in aurora i mean her in uh victoria to kind of butt heads already out of the gate well i'll tell you somebody i'm looking forward to gavin gavin tell me about gavin gavin is also a youngster he's 23 he's kind of a country bumpkin i mean i guess from you know he He's really not, but he says he's going to be okay with like playing that role, which is, I think, great. He's just going to be like the all shucks guy. Describes himself, the survivor yeah. contestant he's most like is Keith Nail. Yeah. Um, he, hits, he looks physically fit, says he's ready to hang or even beat like the average Joe that's out there. Like he's probably not going to beat anybody like a at former athlete, like a Grant or... You know, somebody like that, or an Aussie, but he could, you know, is looking to win challenges. Um, he is also a super fan. He, like, been watching the show since, like, he was a little kid. And I, it, it was kind of cute. He, he said he watched it with his grandparents. So, you know, yeah, it's funny. he's seen every season four times. At we, least. we were talking about the, the girl on the other tribe that uh, is really likes Kelly. Uh, another person he mentions that he really likes is Joe, Joe Engel. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see that relationship too. Honestly, if you know, hopefully, you know, maybe Joe can take advantage of that and they can work together. Um, yeah, Joe's gonna need Alice. Yeah. So, all right. Who's next? Julia. I'm 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 getting so, through the youngsters. So they've got a Julia and a Julie. Yeah. This, this is trial. Julia. She's 24. Julia. She's. Very intelligent. She's a med school med school student. Um, she claims to have watched the show, but of all eighteen people, I would say this may be fool's gold. Her talking about it. She claims to be knowledgeable about the game, and she started talking about how she wanted to set milestones, but then she was unaware of milestones that had already been set. And it's like, wait. A minute. Um, she's really well spoken, but I'm a little skeptical about not just that, but you know, uh, you know, maybe her chances overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and let's finish with Julie. Is she the last one? Oh, let's not. Oh no, wait, we, wait, we're missing let's, one. Let's jump back to Eric. Eric. Okay, so Eric's thirty-four. He's a firefighter. He said he's not going to lie about being a firefighter. I don't know if that really matters. A couple of firefighters have won. And I guess there is this perception that these guys are lifesavers. I think... I know... Jeremy, who else? Tom. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So, um, uh, You know, I guess there's a thing about, oh my gosh, this person's a real-life hero. I, I, I want to say, like, that's maybe gone away a little bit, uh-huh. you know? Um, I'd say next to Joe, he's probably going to be the most athletic person. Um, he has kind of had always dreamed of like having some sort of outdoor adventure 
This is my favorite part. And in one of the dreams, Brett, he befriended an eagle. <laughs> Something he'll have a chance to do on Survivor, I'm sure. I thought died. I had to listen to that three times over. Be like, what? Um, he a couple of red flags though. He claims he wants to pull off the move of the season. Boy, I I don't know if that's really what you go into the game really wanting to do. He says he's most like Tony Vlachos, and here's the thing. Tony Vlachos is the only person to ever play like Tony Vlachos and do even reasonably well at the game. That is just such a bad... That is, that is such a bad strategy of, like... I mean, it's called the unicorn for a reason. Yes. You know? And it made his season an all-time great season. Sure. And he is, he is an all-time great winner because he pulled off an impossible strategy. Yeah, basically. Of being the force of the season that just everyone is irritated by. Yeah. But... A couple of last things on Eric. Um, he He's married. He's got two real young kids. And he did talk about miss, like, missing his littlest kid, like, like life moments, like missing him, like walking for the first time. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, we'll get back to that, but that kind of segues into Julie. Julie. Um, yeah, Julie, the last of uh, the tribe. Okay, she's 46. Um, she seems like she can hang athletically, you know, even though she's one of the oldest people out there. She's been prepping. Um, she's going into the game with a, an open-ended game plan or none at all. And But she says that's not who she is in real life. So that's uh, always... Red flag. Yeah, that, play, you know... Play like who you are. Right. Always. You want to play to your strengths. Um, also, of all the contestants, she may have the biggest tug from home. And, like, she has... She's binge-watched all of Survivor with her husband and kids. But she talked about... She got a little misty when she started talking about leaving them behind. Mm-hmm. And I know I've been bringing this up throughout talking about them. What it is that's, like, tugging them from home. But but it's because I... I on the second time through, I, I started listening to these thinking about what the theme of this season. And the mechanics of this season. And what that may mean. Do they have something outside of the game that makes them, you know, makes Edge of Extinction not going to work for them? Right. But, she may have the biggest hurdle for Edge of Extinction, you think? Well, which is just... right. Because from what we've read from the interviews is you're voted out of the game. You go to the Edge of Extinction and... If you want to stay in the game, great. But at some point, you can literally raise the white flag and quit. And what do these people have that's pulling them, saying it's not worth it for me to stay? There's no way I can win. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, she's probably going out there thinking, like, I can get by by focusing on the game and, and not focusing so much on, like, how much I miss my kids. Right. But when you're out there at the edge of extinction... You're, you can't focus on playing the game probably at that point as far as we know so yeah so I you know I, you know, if you're wondering why I kept like bringing up like you know this person's married you know normally I wouldn't even right. worry about that yeah. you know their life back at home or anything but, but it I'm could just, be a factor this year yeah I'm just like trying to think okay what is it what are these ties that people have these emotional emotional concerns like what are they missing that this could be all worth it because that seems to be what survivor is going to try to work on this season that is going to be 
I'm guessing like what are going to be the storylines. Sure. You know? Which is really weird because, on the one hand, Jeff Probst has really hated quitters. Yeah. I mean, these are his moments when people have quit on Survivor. Of oh yeah, he he's visibly perturbed, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, just snuffing torches without even like words. I don't think, yeah, I definitely don't think this will bother him as much if people no, quit I think because this it, is it's weird. But in one sense, it's almost a way for like Jeff has found a way to turn something he is like never really liked to his advantage and can yeah. be like, oh, we can, you know, get the drama out of this that that is always there, you know, right? Um, if we force them to quit, <laughs> and it's part of the game, um, you know, like he how. He doesn't want people to quit something they've signed up for. Right. These people didn't necessarily sign up for. They didn't know they were signing up for this. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, well, that's a, that's a fun cast preview. And I think it's, it is important to, uh, I think the cast makes every season pretty much. I think it's the most important element to a season. I mean, even for like whatever nitpicking, like I've found to do, I think all these people seem to be like, students of the game to certain levels they've come ready to go and like i think that's regardless of what is thrown at them like you know or given to us as viewers you know and when you have a good cast and you have them playing hard that is where you get good survivor absolutely and it can over you know maybe the edge of extinction thing won't work but a good cast i'm optimistic can overcome it I'm, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think, like, they've done Redemption Island things in the past where it's the way to get an advantage, but then the advantage is found early in the season, so there's really no reason for a Exile Island or a Redemption Island to exist. And um, so, yeah, we'll see. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, I was just, uh, you know, thinking about how, like, Regardless of how good a concept is or how well it plays out, sometimes uh, a great cast can overcome a bad concept or a bad cast can underwhelm on a good concept. Oh, yeah. And completely. so uh, I think that's a, uh, that's a good segue to the second part of our podcast. Yeah, I'm excited.